0: anti-socialist propaganda? This week on the podcast, we're talking about the first movie ever filmed in Minnesota, a movie that, quite possibly, no living person has ever actually seen. Here to explain the history of the film is Star Tribune movie critic Chris Hewitt, who wrote the original story for Curious Minnesota. All right, Chris. Well, thanks for joining us today. Always a pleasure to meet new co-workers.
1: Yeah, Uh, it's nice to attach a face to the name and I'm pleased to be here. Thanks.
0: So I asked you to talk about the story you wrote for Curious Minnesota about the first movie actually shot here in the state of Minnesota. Not necessarily set here, but the first one shot here.
1: Well, kind of the first question to deal with when we received this question from a reader, which I think was at the State Fair, what do they mean by what was the first movie shot in Minnesota? Uh, In the early days of movie making, it, it had not been codified what the, in quotation marks, length of an average movie was. Like now we would say 90 minutes to two hours and a half is probably kind of the format. But back then, a movie could be five minutes long, or it could be oh, okay. 20 minutes long. Okay. And it, it really, what we would now call a feature-length movie didn't really become a thing until probably somewhere in the 1920s. And we decided this reader meant a feature-length movie okay. rather than a short. And plus, it's really hard to know, like, who knows who was making five-minute-long movies with their own movie camera back in the teens or whatever. But the first feature-length movie that we could find is a movie called Free Air, which... Uh, For the purposes of Curious, Minnesota is kind of a double benefit because it's also based on a book by Sinclair Lewis, who's from here. And it was a benefit for me as the person who had to write about it, that there happens to be somebody not too far away who is he lives in Rosemont, who's an expert on that movie. And. Uh, has written a couple of uh, articles for his local historical society about it, and his name is Gerald Matson. So once I found him, I was kind of golden. I checked with the Minnesota Film and TV Board to see if they would have any data on – they obviously weren't around in the 1920s. But if they had any data going back that far, it turned out they didn't, so they weren't Mm -hmm. too helpful. But the Minnesota Historical Society, as is often the case for Curious Minnesota, I'm sure, Mm -hmm. was very helpful.
0: They're they're on our speed dial. We have they one be. phone that we just pick
1: up and they just call. We need a we need a dedicated red line to them. Yes,
0: exactly. So take me through kind of what it's about. Kind of is it about Minnesota? Like is it is it filmed in Minnesota and takes place in Minnesota?
1: Part of it takes place in Minnesota, but most of it does not. Okay. It's a road movie and kind of a romantic comedy. Uh, one, it's a little bit difficult to talk about exactly what the movie is because it does not exist anymore. There are no prints of it and you can't watch it. Really? Uh, And in fact, nobody alive has probably seen it. Uh, and that's the
0: historian that you were talking to. He
1: has not seen it. But the thing that was helpful with him was he has a kind of treasure trove of photographs, some of which the historical society has some of which they don't. He, he got them from the daughter of one of the filmmakers. So he has about, I would say 75 stills from the movie. And a few that are also kind of behind the scenes shots of the making of the movie. And he, assembled them in order for me and essentially took me through what he thinks the movie is. So we can identify what the story is. There's a a kind of a madcap heiress who goes on this cross-country trip because her dad wants to get her, her wealthy dad wants to get her away from a boyfriend. And there's this small town guy who falls in love with her and decides Mm -hmm. to pursue her on the trip so that seems like it might be kind of a screwball comedy Mm -hmm. gerald madsen thinks that's not quite what the tone is he thinks it's maybe a little bit more serious than that but we don't know because the movie doesn't exist and nobody's seen it we can kind of recreate the events without actually recreating the feel of the movie it kind of i mean in a way it's sort of a lesson about movies in general about how important the tone is because you could take a series of events and turn them into a thriller, or you could turn them into a romantic comedy, or yeah. you could turn them into a kids' movie, or whatever. But it's all in and how you deal with the material. And unfortunately, we don't know how they dealt with the material.
0: So if I remember correctly, the movie is also has kind of like a hint of propaganda to it.
1: It does. That was in fact the main goal of the two filmmakers whose names are whose names are Bill Callert and Einar Berg. Mm-hmm. And they were um I mean, they, I think, probably would make a good movie based on at least the, the the little bit that I've learned about them. They were very enterprising college students at Hamlin University and friends. And they became interested in film, not so much for film itself, which probably at the time, early 1920s, wasn't even acknowledged as an art form. It was probably, you know, just a form of media that had not yet gotten mature enough to even be thought of as an art form. But they were interested in it as – propaganda. They were business students and They were alarmed by this socialist movement that was, I think, started in North Dakota called Townleyism, Mm -hmm. but you could basically think of it as just a form of socialism. And they wanted to ally themselves essentially with big business at the time, so they thought, let's make movies that are entertaining, but they carry this message of essentially what's good for General Motors is good for the (laughs) United States, even though did General Motors exist then? I'm not quite sure. The underlying theme of this movie is that the father of this uh, woman who's on this cross-country journey is maybe secretly the good guy of the movie. Uh, Mm -hmm. We think at least this is what's going on because all of their work. They made a few features and quite a few short films and they got them funded by big businesses in Minnesota who were at least for a time interested in the idea that maybe this was a way to spread their message pre, you know, mass advertising or I guess this was maybe an early form of mass advertising. The movie was fairly widely seen in both the U.S. and in South America, so Apparently the message got out there and we're not, you know, we don't have a townliest party now, so I guess they succeeded in defeating that at the time too. We did it. We did. It. They won.
0: <laughs> so, this is, you know, early 1920s. I don't know really the history of film, so it was so film is not very big at that. Point.
1: Well, it's popular, mm-hmm. but it's just not necessarily the kind of features that we think of like at the time Charlie Chaplin would have been a really big star and he was making, you know, two or three reel meaning th- or 40-minute movies. Uh, Mary Pickford would have been big then. All of those kind of early days of film people were stars, and the whole concept of stars was just becoming a thing, although this movie does not contain any big names that we would recognize now. Yeah, the movies were definitely popular, but, you know, we're pre-talkies. That's going to be the jazz singer is sort of acknowledged as the beginning of that era in the late 1920s, so we're before that. And And that's another reason it's difficult to gauge exactly how the movie works since we can't watch it because there are some of those little title cards that would appear in between that reveal what's going on. But mm-hmm. for the most part, we don't know what they're saying in the, in the still images that we have.
0: Interesting. Okay, so where around Minnesota was the film filmed? Uh,
1: a few places. It was in Taylor's Falls, uh, which is actually standing in for further out west in the movie uh, and is uh, north and east, a little bit of the Twin Cities. And it was in Rosemount. And it was in St. Paul. In fact, one of the photos that Gerald Matson has that is kind of a behind the scenes photo is of the film crew in the car. That's sort of the main vehicle of this road trip right outside the St. Paul Hotel, which looks virtually the same now as it did in the early 20s when they shot the movie. So that's kind of a, a fun thing to see just because you're like, oh, a lot has changed and, oh, not a lot has changed.
0: So is this a big deal? Like, were movies common enough that people knew kind of what was happening and what this meant?
1: I don't think from what gerald told me and from what i can gather from the the not mobbed looking uh sets that we have photos of i don't think it's as big a deal as it might have been now mm-hmm. like where you know who there might have been a call for extras to show up although there were I, some local people were cat not in any of the lead roles but some mm-hmm. local people were cast in supporting roles but it doesn't look like it was the sort of furor it would be if you know for instance scarlett johansson showed up to shoot a movie in the twin cities i think mm-hmm. people would be out her tail pretty much the whole time also filmmaking wasn't as technologically uh huge then as it is now like it looks in the photos like there were a couple of guys with cameras and that was basically it whereas now you would have three city blocks of semis filled with electrical and sound and other equipment and honey wagons and all that equipment it doesn't seem like that sort of paraphernalia followed this movie to that extent it was Mm. it was a smaller production
0: and so the movie is it's, it's it doesn't exist
1: it doesn't exist at one point actually Eric Roper who initially asked me to do this story and I were digging around a little bit and we found... Somewhere online in the archives of the Museum of Modern Art, a reference to free air. And we had a brief moment of like, maybe we found this lost movie that nobody has seen for a (laughs) hundred years. And it turned out to be ephemera. It turned out to be the kinds of stuff and probably not as good as the stuff that Gerald Matson has. So Matson hopes that it exists maybe in South America because over the years, again, in quotation marks, lost movies have sometimes turned up there for whatever reason maybe they had better preservation or maybe the climate's better for preservation who knows because these films were you know have deteriorated i think they say something like 90 percent of the movies from this era have been lost just wow. because the nitrates in the film deteriorates at such a rate and there wasn't really again we didn't think of it as an art form yet so there wasn't really a movement for preservation it was sort of like I don't know, videotapes from the 50s that after you were done with them, you would just throw them out.
0: So there are a lot of movies filmed in Minnesota now?
1: Not really. Uh, We did just have one that that wrapped up filming uh, mostly in St. Paul. Mm -hmm. uh, And that is a movie based on a Chuck Klosterman novel that we think will hopefully premiere maybe uh, next January at the Sundance Film Festival. Okay. And there are occasional independent films like that one that that shoot here. But Minnesota and Minnesota is on the one hand in a good position in that Minnesota still has a film incentive program and a film board that can work with filmmakers who want to come here and shoot movies and they can offer tax rebates and and. We have really good film crews here. But on the other hand, we're close to Canada, which has better incentives and has more film crews. And so Minnesota ends up losing a lot of movies to Canada or Mm -hmm. whatever other state. For a while, Michigan was offering these crazy, like, I think 50% off. Basically, every dollar you spent, you got 50 cents back, which wasn't sustainable. Michigan doesn't do it anymore. But for a while, Minnesota lost movies there. like. Grand Torino, the Clint Eastwood movie, was a movie that might have shot here that ended up going to Michigan instead. There was kind of a boom in the mid-90s when the film board was really going strong and the Twin Cities had lots and lots of crew members, and movies would even shoot here simultaneously. Not necessarily great ones, but right. like Jingle All the Way, the Arnold Schwarzenegger holiday movie shot here, um, Tim Allen shot a movie here, Bargo shot here in that period, Drop Dead Gorgeous shot here in that period, a movie sort of like Drop Dead Gorgeous called Sugar and Spice shot here in that period. So there was kind of a boom, but it it ended up not being sustainable. And unfortunately, a lot of those people to you know keep working ended up having to move to the coast. So uh, we haven't quite reached that height again yet.
0: Okay, last question, and it's very important. What is your favorite movie set in Minnesota? Not necessarily filmed here, but set here. And you can't say Fargo.
1: Okay, well, it's Fargo. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess if I can't say that, it's probably A Simple Plan, which was shot uh, the year after Fargo and has some kind of similar vibes it's set in small town minnesota uh it stars billy bob thornton and bill paxton and bridget fonda Mm -hmm. nobody speaks of bridget fonda anymore now that i say that name out loud i've
0: never even heard and like i consider myself a movie bub and i don't even know
1: (laughs) she was a big star in that time frame but that's one of the i think last movies she made probably Uh, so we're talking like 1990 uh, i want to say 1998 maybe 1999 it's a thriller Uh, Some people in this small town, one of whom is Billy Bob Thornton, find a downed helicopter that has crashed and there's a suitcase full of money in it and they have to figure out what to do about the suitcase full of money and they make a bad decision and it leads to a series of increasingly worse and worse decisions. Uh, it's a great movie. It's Interesting. definitely yeah, I've never, worth checking I've never out. Seen it. it. wasn't a huge hit, but it's fantastic.
0: Oh, I'll have to check it out. Uh, the actual real answer is Jennifer's body.
1: <laughs> no, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, I guess. Agree to disagree.
1: <laughs>
0: also, I would have also accepted Miracle. Not uh, the Mighty Ducks. I like Miracle.
1: I like Miracle a lot, too. I would. That would be in my top five for sure.
0: Or do we just have like a – do we have the –
1: it was not shot here, unfortunately. I know.
0: But do we have, like, is there just something about hockey movies that they have to be set in Minnesota?
1: <laughs> I do think that that's kind of the case. There have been a fair number of them. And, you know, the Hockey Hall of Fame is here, so that's you can true. lean on that as a resource. And North Country is another pretty good one that at least has a little bit to do with hockey and that is set here and was shot here partly as well. Mm-hmm. So there are a few of those. Oh, Ice Castle is another one. Mm.
0: All right, Chris. Well, thank you for stopping by to talk today. I, this was really interesting. There's just I love doing this podcast because every day I learn something new.
1: <laughs> Good. I'm glad. All
0: right. Well, thanks again.
1: Thank you. Thanks
0: for listening to Curious Minnesota. We want to hear from you. Ask questions and read more stories online at startribunecom backslash curious. Our show is recorded at the Star Tribune's headquarters in beautiful downtown Minneapolis. And our music is produced by Matt Gilmer. If you like the show, please rate us on iTunes or leave a review. And until next time, stay curious.